You're listening to the Cornerstone Word of Life Church podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's teaching. For more information on our church, please visit cwol.org. Good to see you all here again on this Wednesday night. You know that this is, uh, we'll call it lesson. Lesson, I feel like I'm teaching a Bible school, and I like that. Um, That means you can handle it. And uh, I've never done a series this long in the 28 years that I've been, I think it's 28 years that I've been pastoring. I usually cap it at eight, but we're on number 15. Hallelujah. And so we're calling this real faith. You know, um, in the King James, it says, Paul's talking to Timothy, and he says, the unfeigned faith that was in your um, mother, Lois, which one was the mama? Eunice was mama, I think. Lois's grandma. Anyway, one of them two ladies, you know, he, he said, it's in your family. Y'all know how to walk in faith. And so the King James calls it unfeigned. What is that? It is real. It's real. So feigned faith in the King James would be fake. So if there's fake faith and there's real faith, then there's combinations of that all in the middle. And so you and I are endeavoring to get to the real faith. How many of the Bible says you and I, uh, the just, are supposed to do what? We're supposed to live. Everybody say, I'm living by faith. So that means I'm doing this every day, right? I'm living by faith. I'm living by faith. I'm living by faith. And how, what do you know about this? How many know without what is impossible to please God? Without faith, it's impossible to please God. How many of you know, if you look in Hebrews uh, chapter five, then going running into verse six, uh, you see the fact, that is right, isn't it, Gail? The foundational doctrines of Christ start at, we teach this together. Uh, uh, the, the fifth runs into the sixth. Faith towards God is a foundational doctrine. You know what? I might've missed that on the test question. If I had just answered it myself, I might've given it another one. Uh, uh, so, it, but, but it's a foundation. Listen to me. A lot of people call teaching on faith a movement. It's not a movement. It's never been a movement. Well, yes, it is. No, it's not. It's something that God emphasized because it was lost. Just like in the early 1900s, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It wasn't lost. God didn't need to go find it. It happened in the early church. The same church we're in. What had to happen? One little girl had to get filled with the Holy Ghost in a Kansas Bible school is what I understand. And then it exploded from there. And Azusa Street had to happen. Where a man had to preach the gospel and people came from all over the world. It wasn't lost. It wasn't lost. God, so so faith um, has never been lost. It's in the word. God had to, but see, without it, it's impossible to please God. You can't even resist the devil without it. The Bible says resist the devil. How? Steadfast in the faith. I'm supposed to live by it. So I guess I ought to be figuring this out. And, it, and this is the deal. Um, what I have found is if, if there is ever a group of people, you want to receive the promises of God. You know they're available. The Bible um, is very clear. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. In other words, when you know something's supposed to be happening and it's not happening, it kind of is irritating. And so I'm not trying to teach this to put you, uh, to make you religious, punch a button, pull a lever. I'm trying to get you revelation and I'm getting a whole lot. I don't know if I'm helping you any, but I've helped me a whole lot because as it comes to me and goes through me. And sometimes when I'm teaching, I'm like, that is so good. I've never said that before. That's amazing. So the Lord's helping me and I've been doing this a long time. And so there's always room to grow. 
I said there's always room to grow. And so uh, let's just start here, James chapter two. Um, I found this, uh, I don't use this um, version hardly ever, but it's the new century version. So if you put up for me, uh, we don't even have it up there. I had to have them do this. James 2, 14 through 17. Did you all get it? There it is. Um, it says, my brothers and sisters. Everybody say that to me. Right? That's you, right? If people say they have faith, but do nothing, their faith is worth nothing. My brothers and sisters, everybody say, that's me. Say, if I say I have faith, come on, say, if I, if I say I have faith, but I don't do, I don't do anything. We'll, we'll clean up, but I do nothing. Then my faith is worth nothing. Oh, Pastor Mark, that is too strong. But listen, King James, it's King James. I really like this because this is really what he's trying to say. But if you say you have faith and your faith causes you to do nothing, your faith ends up worth nothing. Well, I don't like that. Well, whoever translated, you know, write them a letter. I'm sure they're gone. Can faith like that save them? Hmm. Verse 15. A brother or sister in Christ might need clothes or food. Verse 16. If you say to that person, God be with you. Let me agree with you in prayer. Let me make a good confession with you. I hope you stay warm and get plenty to eat. Even sounds churchy, don't it? I hope you stay warm and get plenty to eat, but you do not give what that person needs. Your words are worth nothing. Now, let's stop. Okay, in the same way, faith by itself that does nothing is what? Now, see, you all know that faith without corresponding uh, works is dead. And a lot of times people, King James Version, they, they translate it works. And that's an unfortunate translation. It should be corresponding action. And then a lot of people took that in the middle that is an example from the Lord by the Holy Ghost through James and said, that's what faith is. I got to take care of the poor. But how many of you know you're supposed to take care of the poor? The Bible says, if you give to the poor, you've lent to the Lord and he will repay. Jesus said, the poor you all have, always have with you. And so that means we're, we're, we're supposed to take care of the poor. Right? You're supposed to take care of the poor. You're, that's all good. But, but that, that taking care of the poor is not your salvation. Let's just stop here. Um, what is salvation? Well, is it, you know, it's doing well, it's salvation of your soul, but uh, protection, all that there. But, but, but how do you get saved? Well, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. You heard that Jesus was the son of God and you heard he was raised from the dead. And then what happened? You believe that in your heart and you did what? Said that with your mouth. What'd you say with your mouth? I believe that Jesus is the son of God. You asked the Lord to forgive you. You believed that he was raised from the dead, right? And then do you, after, now watch, stick with me. And after that, do you have to do anything else for your salvation? The answer would be, no, I'm not trying to trick you because water baptism is not salvation. It's a sign that you are born again. It is a demonstration that you are born again. Now, if you got born again, the Bible says in, in Ephesians 2.10 that he's prearranged for you to do good works. So everybody that's born again ought to be doing something for the Lord. Everybody. Every, my wife is doing a good work in torch tonight. That's where she's at, by the way. Uh, don't go back and try to relieve her, uh, but she's, she's fine. But, but everybody, everybody say everybody. everybody. 
Because, see, you're born again, and then the works began in that area. Now, I think what happens with a lot of people is they say, well, and especially modern teaching today, you don't have to do anything. You're just, you know, to get anything from God, you're just saved. Now, in that, that scenario, the salvation part, there is no additional works, although it will cause you to do good works. Y'all with me? Water baptism is not... You don't have to be water baptized to go to heaven. You ought to be as an outward demonstration of something that inwardly happened and it'll be a blessing to you and it's a sign to others you're born again. There are sometimes, how many know I taught on five hours and I could have taught probably five more on your words. How many know your words are important? So is James then against what Jesus said in Mark 11, 23 and 24? He is not. Uh, is this any way opposed to uh, anything we've taught you on confession? It is not. There are some times when your words, that's it. There's no more. I gave you one illustration. Moses, we'll probably look at it again because it's in my notes tonight. One time, the first time in Exodus, he was told to strike the rock and water came out of it. Right? What would have happened if he didn't strike the walk, the rock? No water, right? No water. What if he would have just said, you know what? That looks strange. And I know you're a God. Because how, how does God create? He creates with words. You get born again with words, right? Yeah. Right? But the second time around, what did God say to Moses? Just speak to the rock. Did he get in any kind of trouble when he hit the rock? Yeah. He, not only because he messed up the type of Jesus, but... That was, that was not what the Lord told him to do. So I need you going forward to understand. Uh, um, I taught five hours on words. I can teach five hours more again on words. Your words are important. Whoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and not doubt his heart, but shall believe those things that he, he shall have what he says or she says, right? Important. But now this is, this, this part of it, you see, sometimes in modern stuff, well, I don't believe you have to, you know, especially in our circle, is that all right? In our circle, whatever you call us, I don't like the word you call us, but our circle, whatever, we're not just the faith circle, although that's, that doesn't make me mad. I am the faith circle. I am the prosperity circle. I am the healing circle. I am the baptism of the Holy Ghost, sir. I, whatever circle you say, but, but this is the deal is if any group needs to hear what I'm teaching on now, it's us. Amen. Because words are powerful. Words are right. But remember, it says if your faith doesn't do something, it's worth nothing. So that's not just, so, so let's look at that. Remember, the Holy Ghost did this for me. I've never done it before ever. He divided it into three categories. Y'all remember? Category number one, things initiated through the manifestations or the gifts of the Spirit. You remember that? Everybody remember all of them? Kind of. And so um, remember uh, just different ones. Um, uh, the, the man with the withered hands is easiest. Remember, Jesus is there. He's preaching. The man is not necessarily expecting anything. He's just there. He's in the synagogue. And Jesus says to him out of a crowd, rise. Mm -hmm. So what does he got to do in order to begin his miracle? He's got to get up. No, I like my seat. I'm just, I'm just going to sit here. No, he's got to rise. If there's no rising, there's no miracle. Mm -hmm. 
And then Jesus said to do what? Stretch forth your hand. But he could have naturally said, well, if I could stretch forth my hand, I'd already stretch forth my hand. I can't stretch forth my hand. But the Lord didn't ask him if he could. He told him what to do. Right? And what did he do? He didn't stretch forth his elbow. He stretched forth his And when he began to do that, the power of God came. Right? The power of God. So manifestations of the Holy Ghost. Um, you know, um, uh, uh, you know, Jesus seemed to have a spitting ministry. You probably don't. And if you do ever spit, you better make sure it's God and there better be a miracle behind it. There better be a miracle behind it. And so, you know, sometime, one time he spit on the ground and put clay. And, you know, if you're going to put mud on my eye, in my eye, I know a lot of people say, well, he formed an eyeball. That's not in the word of God. You don't know that. That's supposition. And so you don't know whether, so don't add. I know it makes a better story, but don't add. He, he put some clay on it. There's nothing that says he formed an eyeball and painted it blue and put it in there or anything. It says he got some clay and then he told him to do, he, so he did that. And then he told him to do, go wash in a specific place. Where did he have to go wash to get his miracle? In the specific place. Are you with me? Amen. But that manifestation started from the Lord. But even in the manifestation, even in, even in the manifestations of the Holy Ghost, many times there's an action. If you've been saying to yourself, it feels like my knees have gravel in them. It feels like my knees have gravel in them. Can you wave at me? If you feel like you, you feel, you've said it even. My knees feels like there's gravel in them. Come on, somebody. All right. Where? Candace, I see. Anybody else to us? My mom, anybody else? Okay, while I'm doing it, you're not going to bug me. While I keep going, this is what the Holy Ghost said to do. Don't push yourself up. You say, well, I can't. You just get up. Don't anybody watch them. You all watch me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, and... um, So remember even, let's look at Acts chapter nine, just real quick, we gotta get going. But Acts chapter nine, remember uh, the pool where the angel came down, y'all remember that? Do you remember what happened? What what does the word of God say? It says the first one, well if an angel comes, now watch even this one, an angel, I didn't talk to you about this last time, but an angel came down and troubled the water and the first one in, what is that? That's an action. Well, it's not fair. Well, the Lord didn't ask you. He he said the first one in, but there's an action even when the angel troubled. This supernatural, this was a big one. An angel comes down, troubles the water. How cool is that? And then if you were right there and you were the first one in, you got a miracle. And then Jesus saw a man. He's like, he knew he'd been there for a long time. And he said, uh, you know, talk to him. And then he basically said, arise. And so what did the man have to do? He had to get up. And so it's the same way, even whatever's going on right now. And if you'll do it, if you'll do it and just do what I said, not push yourself up, but just get up. But I can't. Well, do it anyway. Hallelujah. And so we looked at some things. So the number one uh, area we see, sorry, I'm a little excited. Number one area we see is the manifestations of the spirit. And so oftentimes, even with a, with a manifestation, which is definitely all God initiated. Can you see that? 
What are the manifest? Can you control the manifestations of the spirit? You cannot. You cannot control gifts of healing. You cannot troll, control tongues and interpretation of tongues. You cannot control prophecy. You can only yield to them. You cannot control working of miracles, gift of special faith, gifts of healing. Those are all initiated from God's end. And aren't you grateful that God is willing to do that? There are so many ways he wants to bless you. And so this way he's initiating them. Those are 1 Corinthians chapter 12. But with those many times, there is, a chorus, there is an action that he says needs to be done so that the power, the power meets the action, even though God is the one who initiated it. Without action, faith so there's something going on. So we've called it many times, I've just called it obedience. So if you just want to look at it that way, obedience. But it is a corresponding action in obedience to what the Holy Ghost is saying. And then number two, there's a, a whole myriad of them in the Old Testament and Jesus' ministry uh, and, and one in the book of Acts that we can look at where it's God initiated and I want to look at it, but I wouldn't necessarily call it a gift of the spirit. So um, let's look at Hebrews. And I'm talking really fast right now because I was trying to get more in. But the Holy Ghost told me to go slow. So I'm going to kick it down a gear. I just have so much to tell you. I studied all this and I know it's probably three hours worth that you don't have time for tonight, but I studied up three hours. And so I got three hours in me to get you and you're not going to probably want that, but I sure would like to give it to you. Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 18, Hebrews chapter 11, the hall of faith. And so we've already looked at one thing about Abraham and, um, you know, uh, when he took Isaac up, but this one is uh, of the beginning. So uh, Hebrews eleven eighteen. Um, let's see. That's not the one I want. Uh, it's not 18, it's 8. Hebrews 11, 8. Let me make a note to myself before I re-preach this somewhere else. Hebrews eleven eight. 8. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out not knowing whether he went. By faith, by trust, by obedience, he sojourned in the land of promise as, a strange, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which foundations, whose builder and making and maker is God. Now let's go back to Genesis chapter 11. Genesis chapter 11. Don't have time to get into all this because I could stop and we could be each one of these two hours. But uh, Genesis eleven twenty six, we see Abraham's, Abram's dad, Terah. And Terah lived 70 years and begat Abram, Nahor, and Haran. Now these are the generations of Terah. Terah begat Abram, Nahor, and Haran, and Haran begat Lot. And Haran died before his father, uh, Terah, in the land uh, of his nativity in Ur of the Chaldees. And Abram and Nahor took them wives. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai and the name of Nahor. Nahor's wife, Milcah, the daughters of Haran, the father of Milcah, and the father of Ishkah. But Sarai was barren and had no children. And Terah took Abram, his son, and Lot, the son of Haran, his son's son, and Sarai, his daughter-in-law, his son, Abram's wife. And they went forth from the Ur of the Chaldees to go, to go where? To go into the land of 
Not a lot of people see this or teach this, and I didn't see it until a few years ago. Here it's very clear that Terah was the one who was called to go to Canaan. Yet the grief of his son, Haran, who died, caused him to stop, name a city after him, and camp. And I'm not throwing any stones at him because the loss of a loved one is often big. But what I want you to see here is, and it says in the days of Terah, verse 32, were 205 years and Terah died in Haran. Now the Lord said to Abram, because this is the deal, especially with this one, this is the plan of God. Now, now watch this. The plan of God for your individual life, uh, for a city, for a nation, for God's plan overall. Listen to me. God is going to get his plan overall done. You can either cooperate and be a part of it or you can decide to stop. There were 12 tribes of the children of Israel. From what I understand in reading the word of God, 10 and a half went into the promised land and one and a half like the other side. Couldn't move on. Didn't want to move on. So see, that's not up to God. That's up to us. And this is all a faith journey. And this is a, a life of faith. And so as the Lord said to Abram, get you out of that country from your kindred, from your father's house into a land that I will show you. So I don't even know if Terah had even talked to him about this land. He's just like, hey, son, get your wife, get, get Lot, and let's go. We're going somewhere. And so he just followed him. And, but, then, but God had to then show him. And I will make thee a great nation. I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless you, and I will curse them that curse you. And in you shall all the families of the earth be blessed. That's a pretty big thing. So Abraham departed as the Lord spoke unto him, and Lot went with him, and Abraham was 75 years old, and they departed out of Haran. Now listen, um, and Abraham took Sarah, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their substance that they had gathered, and the souls that they had gotten in Haran, and they went forth into the land of Canaan, into the land of Canaan, and they came to pass. But listen, they didn't know where they were going. They didn't know where they were. Well, I can't move until God tells me. Well, that's not faith. I'm not doing it until he shows me exactly everything I'm supposed to do. That's not faith. I'm not going to start this business until I have the money. But if God told you to start it, then you better get after it. Amen. If God tells you to do something and you can't, utter, well, I just need you to explain it to me. That, he, that's not faith. It's like this. If the, the Lord's given you direction, and let's just use a car as an example. The Lord has a place for you to get, and he wants you to get there. And you don't know where it is, and you're sitting in the car, and you got the car in P for park. And the Lord says, put it in reverse. And you say, well, Lord, tell me where I'm going. And the Lord said, what will the Lord say? Put the car in reverse. And what will you say? Well, tell me where I'm going. And then what will the Lord say? Put the car in reverse. Well, Lord, I need to know where I'm going. I told you where you're going. Reverse. Because you don't need to know which way to go until you go in reverse. Well, I just, I just need him to tell me all the steps. Well, he doesn't need to tell you all the steps because if you won't obey step number one, you're not going to obey step number two and number three. And probably if that's where you and I are in this situation, we're going to mess it up if we know too many steps. Because we will figure it out. 
Have you ever helped God? I got all kinds of advice for him. So, Abraham had to do something. He had to go when he didn't know where he was going. What is that? That's a chorus. Well, Lord, what will we do today? I just believe I'll know what to do. Lord, I, I, the steps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord. I'm trying to get a job. The steps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord. The steps of the righteous order. And the Lord told you to go do something or to get your resume ready. Well, I, I don't know if the Lord talks to me. Oh, just hang on around here in the next few Wednesdays. I, I, will, I will blow that out of the water so fast because you know his voice. And he talks to you way more than you recognize. You're his sheep. You can't do this on your own. And you don't think for a minute he's going to leave you alone and not guide you through the valley of the shadow of the death. Come on. He's always guiding. He's always leading. He's always talking. He, no, he always. All, you're his son and daughter. He's always leading you. He's always guiding you. In the small things, in the he's always. The Lord is my shepherd. He always. He's always talking. He's always leading. He's always giving directions. Always, all the time. Well, the Lord doesn't talk to me. You're, you're wrong. I started to say something else. You're wrong. You're wrong. If you're born again, just qualified to be born again. You have a witness on the inside of you. He leads you. You may not know it. You may not understand it. You may not have faith to follow that, but he's always talking. He's always leading. He's always guiding. He cares about everything in your life and he'll guide you in your business. He'll guide you in your job. He'll guide you in relationships. He'll, he'll guide you to keep you safe. He will guide you. He will protect you. He watches over you. He will talk to you. He will tell you what to do. And see, that's the problem sometimes amongst us is when the Lord speaks something to our heart, we want to keep talking. We want to keep confessing. Now, don't ever stop talking and confessing. I'm not saying that. But when the Lord gives you instruction, it could have come from your confession of faith. And now there's something you need to do. And you need to do it in order for the power of God to meet it. And what he tells you to do, he may not have told everybody else to do or everybody else to do. This is a personal walk with God. Now, we always are doers of the word. If it opposes the word of God, you've gone. If it's something so unique, nobody does it, um, and, and you can't find scripture for it, or it's not based in scripture, then you're way too far out for me. So the word, it'll always line up with the word of God, right? It'll always line up with the word of God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. But there's an action. Can you see he had to start? And he didn't know where he was going. Come on. Could you see? How fun is that? There was a little boy who lived in Illinois amongst the corn. And he was getting a good ministry going, traveling Indiana and Illinois, Wisconsin and Kentucky. And he had a cushy job and his mom cooked his food and did his laundry and didn't have to pay rent. And the Holy Ghost said, 
moved to Alabama, but I'd never been to Alabama. Nobody in Alabama liked me. Nobody in Alabama called me. Nobody in Alabama wanted me to come teach them. And I had to sojourn in a foreign land. <laughs> and it was foreign. Y'all used to talk funny. Now you don't. <laughs> um, you eat funny, funny things. You play football, not basketball. All that's, that's changing. Praise God. Anyway, and so, but I had to just do it. And you know what? Hardly anybody, almost nobody, <laughs> cheered me on. But what if I hadn't sojourned? This wouldn't be here. Somebody else would have been here because the Lord wanted it done. Somebody else would have obeyed. And you'd be calling somebody else pastor and be a great church and be getting good things done. And it could be almost exactly the same. Maybe. Somewhat. Probably not as good. Anyway, so. <laughs> but. Well, I just believe you, Lord, you're going to show me. I believe you're going to give me the money to do it. Just believe. Just believe. My God supplies all my needs. I had $900. A car with a paint peeling off of it. Holes in my shoes, no job, no church. I'm not, I'm not saying look at Mark. I'm just saying it's just the way it works. And if you've got a business burning on the inside of you, in three or four years, if you keep, if you're just like, well, I'm just waiting on the Lord, I doubt it. I doubt, if it's that big in you, I doubt that you're waiting on God. He's told you something to do that you don't have the confidence to step out and do. So what do you got to do? Well, you got to keep getting with the Lord. But your confession is not going to bring it if he told you something to do. If he told you to do something, then that's what you got to do. Well, it doesn't make any sense. It don't matter. It did not, ma it did not make sense for me. Even where I came from, from the school, they, they said single men should not start churches, should not pastor churches. You need a wife. Well, I did need a wife. I, she, I was a mess, you know, and she did. So you can tell Pastor Ron I talk good about her. But, and when she came, things got, they kind of brightened up, and that, you know, and good things began to happen because she grew up in church. And that's not right why I married her, uh, but, but she helped. But if I hadn't started, would I have even met her? No. I wouldn't have. I'm just believing God for the right person. Well, the person that you're believing for is on your race. They're on your path. Why would someone get off their path if you're off your path? If you're single in this room, listen to me. You run your race. You just run your race. Don't worry about it. Pray for them. Lord, don't let them be doing anything stupid out there. Hallelujah. Uh, we're going we're gonna to keep running. We're going to hook up together. Are you, you understand what I'm saying? Anything and everything. Oh, goodness, this is going to take a long time. <laughs> Thank you. But he had, did you see he had to go not knowing? And yeah, most, people, most people today, I got a big dream in me. 
I got a big this in me. I got a big business in me. I got this in me. I want to do this. I want to do that. I got all these dreams. But what did God tell you to do? Well, I'm just waiting on him to reveal it step by step. He's not going to. He's going to tell you one thing. And it might even not even look like it has any relevance to what you're praying for. Your obedience. I'm thinking of something that happened recently, and it's not a secret anymore. So I'm going to look at her, and if it's kind of okay, ah, oh, what's well, uh, um, I, I just know somebody that did something that they didn't know why they were supposed to do. The Lord told them to do something, and it rearranged their whole life. But it's a good rearrange. It is. And yet, what does this have to do with anything? Sometimes it. Sometimes you don't know. Sometimes you, you don't get it. But you got to sojourn. You got to put it in reverse. You got to do what he says. Does that remind you of anything? Okay, Exodus chapter 12, children of Israel. God, remember your covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God sends a deliverer. His name is Moses. He has Aaron on his side. All the plagues come. And so you all know this, and I'm probably not going to take as long with this, but in Exodus chapter 12, Exodus chapter 12. So the, the right, this is right before the um, death of the firstborn, um, where the death angel came. And remember they put the, there was things, but I want you to see there was things for them to do. So how many know God's about to, to divinely, supernaturally intervene for the children of Israel? Um, before, when all the things happened, as long as they were in Goshen, they were okay. Because the lights were on in Goshen. There were no frogs in Goshen. There was no hailstorms in Goshen. As long as they were in Goshen where they belong, they were protected. Now things are about to be different. What's about to be different? Now uh, they called out for deliverance and now they're about to be delivered out. Now they have a step-by-step -step procedure to take which again represents Jesus, but there's something they've got to do. So Exodus chapter 12, um, the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Eden, saying, this month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, in the 10th day of the month, everyone's going to get a lamb according to their house. And if your household, so remember, he gave all these, I'm not going to go through them all, very specific instructions. Could they skip over any of them? Nope, because this is not only instructions, this is the type of Jesus. So you already know how the Lord feels, God feels about messing with types. So they got to do it exactly what he says. And then my favorite verse I use all, verse 11, it says, And thus shall you eat it with your loins girded, shoes on your feet, your staff in your hand. You shall eat it in haste or on purpose. It's the Lord's Passover. He told them to get their shoes on. Why? Because tomorrow you're leaving. Told them to get a staff in their hand. Why? Because you're going to need it to walk. So everything he's doing, so they had to gather this stuff. They had to get together. Now, these are slaves. I guarantee you there was many sick. There was many with broken ankles. There was many. Uh, it, do you all still work on that? Everybody good? Any, any change? Anybody got any change? Don't tell me no if it's not, but any change? Candace, any change? Yes. All right. Change? Huh? They're not cracking. Okay, that's good. All right. Hallelujah. So you, there's things you got to do. And so they did them, and that allowed the Lord to do what? 
to come in an almighty way. But, but you see, that was his plan all the time. But see, a lot of times people today say, well, it's all on God. Rarely. Rarely. Salvation's not, listen to me. If someone said, well, I'm just waiting on God to save me, what would you do with them? Would you, would you say, okay. If, you, if someone says to you, I'm just waiting on God to save me. What? What are you waiting on? Because salvation's done. All you got to do is receive him. You got to believe in your heart, confess with your mouth. You're not waiting on him. He's waiting on you. Then why do we do it with everything else? We're waiting. On, oh, that's four hours from now. Waiting on God. We're just waiting on, the Bible says, wait on the Lord. I'm going to help you with that one, but we can't get to it tonight. So, but, but you know, I think what a lot of people say, they're waiting on God. I'm waiting on my manifestation. No. Oh, I'm sorry if that offended anybody. Um, but we got to get rid of it. Because I, I, what we call waiting on God is not biblical waiting on God. Yeah. Waiting on God is something totally different than you doing nothing. I'm just waiting on God and his sovereignty to move. He has moved. Right. Jesus has sat down and he said, it's finished. Now it's up to us to do what? Our faith receives something, but many times there's an action. So what do they have to do? They had to get their shoes on. They had to get a staff in their hand. They had to eat it on purpose because it's the Lord Passover. And what happened? They went out with silver and gold. There was none sick or feeble among them. So everybody got healed. Everybody got blessed. They're on their way out. Just throw this one in for fun. So then they get to the river. Remember the river? What, 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 it's that flood stage. Y'all remember? Yeah. And so they have a word from the Lord, right? What does the Lord say? He's like, take the Ark of the Covenant and when the priest's feet hit it, the water's going to do what? It's going to divide. So they can't, I command you to open up. I demand it. Nothing. Because they already have a word from the Lord. Get the Ark of the Covenant. Put your feet in the water, and when you do, it will do what? It'll divide. Did it? And then, how long did it stay divided? Well, if you read throughout the account, they stayed in the river bed while the aquarium was on either side. Very cool. If I was a little boy, I would have put my hand in it. But, uh, you know, I, I would have. But because you just got, that's weird. How, and there's fish and whatever. And, and, and yet, and, but he said, now get the ark out of the river. And when they did, what happened? Everything that was congealed now is flowing again. Then you've got the Egyptian army. Well, they did it. Hey, this thing's closing. Surely they did it. One with the issue of blood. If I can but touch him. Right? If I can but touch him, what happens? Virtue came out of him. Who touched me? Well, once again, people are trying to do, Ollie just gets to be Jesus all the time. But if everybody's touching up all on him, that would get annoying, but nothing's happening. Because it's not from revelation. It's not from faith. It's let's see if this will work. Let's try this. And so the Egyptians got a bright idea. Let's try that. Well, but they had a word too, didn't they? What was the Egyptians' word? Didn't, you remember they had a word? The Lord spoke to them. He said, let my people go. That was their word. That was the only thing that would work for them. 
Anything contrary to that, because remember, he let them go. And then he decided, oh, I shouldn't have let all my labor force go. Let's go get them. Besides that, they got all the silver. They got all the gold. They got my new clothes. Let's go get them. Didn't work out for them, did it? But see, just imitating, and that's why so many people, I think, are frustrated. Testimonies, I love them. But that's all, it's a testimony of how they heard from, if you'll listen to most of them, I heard from God. God told me to do this. But you can't imitate that and expect the same results. You can only imitate the word. But you're going to have to hear from God. And does he talk to you? All day long, every day. And when you're confessing the word, are you kidding me? Revelation's coming. And then he might give you an unction to do something. Now, I'm not telling you to create, because, well, I got to do something. Because, Pastor Mark, be careful. People are just going to start doing something. No, don't start doing just anything, because it won't work. You can touch him all you want. You you know, you can just touch him, touch him, touch him. Nothing's going to happen. You can imitate the children of Israel all you want. Nothing's going to happen. This is why, don't, don't, don't write me a letter. Don't anybody in the room. But see, you can march around anything, any six times all day long that you want and shout and that BMW is not going to be yours. That house is not going to fall into your hands unless the Lord told you to do it. And if you live in Alabama, you better be sure that the Lord told you to do it. And you better do it in the daylight where people can see you. I get it. But you see, you can, even in the old covenant, it's for our example. It doesn't, it didn't say, now everybody in the New Testament church, when you need something and there's a wall in the way or there's a problem, walk around it and shout and it'll fall down. Now we know shouting, that's a sound of triumph and and shouting's always good. But if that's not your particular plan, all you're going to get is like, and this is why people, well, if it worked for them, why didn't it work for me? Faith always works, but God will give you individual strategies on things. You have to know. You have to know. Well, I, I had hands laid on me and I threw my medicine away and I haven't had to take it. Glory to God. Good for you. That's where you're at. But if someone tries to imitate you, they could be dead. Well, they got up out of their wheelchair. I'm going to get up out of my mind. I'm going to get out of my mind. Well, if, if you don't have the faith and you're not doing it by faith, then it's not going to work. You cannot by action force God into something. I've tried it. You've tried it. There's a difference. You getting the difference? You seeing the difference? Oh, let's see some more. Literally. Oh, my gosh. Well, I got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. We're on three. Okay, let's go. Okay. Uh, I knew this was going to happen. I, I'm so loving this. Hallelujah. Exodus chapter 16. I've never slowed down this much. A lot of times as a church, especially on Sunday mornings, you get a glaze over. You get a drive-by. But on Wednesday nights right now, we're just, we're just camping. Because it is so important to the Lord that you and I learn how to receive from him and walk by faith. So it's just important to every account that we get something from. So here, um, this is another good one. Uh, Manna falling from heaven. So this is the children of Israel, even in their disobedience, walking in the wilderness, even in their mess. So in Exodus 16, verse 4, Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, God supplying all their needs. 
And the people shall go out and gather a certain rate every day that I may prove them whether they will walk in my law or not. So this is not only provision, this is God testing the reins of their heart, seeing if they're going to walk by faith or they're going to walk by sight. And it shall come to pass that on the sixth day they shall prepare that which they bring in, and it shall be twice as much as they gather daily. So he gave them instructions. Um, And so let's look at this. Let's look then at verse 16. This is the thing which the Lord hath commanded. Gather it every man according to his eating, an omer for every man according to the number of your persons. So everybody gets an omer, whatever that is. Everybody in the house gets. So if you have six people, you get six omers. Not six. He eats more than everybody. We're going to get six and a half omers. No, everybody just gets an omer according to the number of your persons. And you, every man for them which are in the tents. And the children of Israel did so and gathered uh, some more, some less. And, and verse 18, and when they did meet it with an omer, he, get the, he that gathered much had nothing over, and he that had little had no lack. And they gathered every man according to his eating. And Moses said, let no man leave it till the morning. We're, everybody say, I walk by faith, not by sight. And so what does faith require? It, it requires an action. It requires obedience. And um, Moses told them, because God said, he said, don't leave any until the morning. Verse 20, notwithstanding, they hearkened not unto Moses. But some of them left it until the morning, and it bred worms, and it stank. And Moses was wroth with them. Why? What are they doing right now? Not living by faith. We got, we got to save up in case God doesn't come through. I know what he said. I know what he said. I know what he said. I said he said, do this, but just in case, let's sneak us a little something, something. Right? And what happened? That little something, something stank. And there was worms. It was gross. I believe, I believe it turned gross. Gross. Verse 23. And then he said to them, this is what the Lord said, tomorrow, it's the holy day. And uh, he said, bake that which you will bake today and see that which you see and that which remains over lay up for you to be kept until the morning. So on on the day before the Sabbath, they were supposed to gather twice, fix it all up, have it ready. But see, if you've smelt your neighbors, you might be a little concerned because they saved it up. And it had worms and it stank. So then there's a, another group of people that um, it says, uh, verse 27, and it came to pass that there went some out of the people on the seventh day to gather, and they didn't find anything. And the Lord said to Moses, how long refuse you to keep my commandments and my laws? So again, I know what you said but I'm going to do it this way. Now, listen, nobody throwing stones around here, but human tendency is always you want to be able to see it. You want to be able to have control. And mama's probably saying, I got to take care of my babies. But mama needs to learn and daddy needs to learn. God's got your babies. I mean, the truth of the matter is that's one of the whole things in the whole wilderness thing is they were using their children as pawns against God. You brought us out here to kill our children. Well, none of the children died. All the moms and dads did, but none of the children's did under 20. Right? Here again, manna. 
come on, there's a bakery up in heaven and it's better than Logan's Rolls. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Now, if you don't know what I'm talking about, you, you know what I'm saying? And those are good. If I could like move those rolls to other restaurants. Anyway, Logan's roll, good stuff. I don't eat them, I don't eat them anymore. They, they try to bring them to my table. I'm like, get you behind me, Satan, get away from me. But those are good. Those are good. There's a bakery in heaven that rains down manna. And they can do many things with it. But God is taking care of them in a supernatural way. Angel food. Whatever. Right? And he's showing them, I got you. I would have had you. And all these children are going to see that I've got you. Taking care of you. But you've got to do it my way. You've got to do it my way. And you're going to do what I tell you to do when I tell you to do it, how I tell you to do it. So, well, I wish that God would talk to me. He does. First of all, you got the written word, but because you're his sheep, you know his voice. And there's an inward witness on the inside of every one of us that we know. If you could abuske farakish amahan kilapota, so ush and amai kishkahungi sky. So it's very dangerous to override it. It's very dangerous to ignore that. It's very dangerous to pretend you don't hear it could cost you your life. The Lord is so kind. The Lord is so good. Well, I, I just don't know if I know that unction. You, have, you, you do know it. Quit saying you don't know it. Quit saying you can't hear from God. Meditate on those scriptures. John 10, 4 and 5. Uh, Romans 8, 14. Romans 8, 16. 1 John 5 talks about you have a witness on the inside of you. Even in the letters to the seven churches, it says, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. You're part of the church. I have ears to hear. I'm part of the truth. I know his voice. I, he's a good shepherd. Come on, he guides you. He leads you. He's not going to leave you on your own. Amen. Especially the hour we live in. Every, de every decision is so important. We need to make sure that we're listening. All right? So can you see that obedience to this miraculous bread coming down from heaven every day, except on the seventh day, or it, there's nothing, and yet the stuff that rots every other day is fine to eat on the other day. Only God, it's supernatural. It's amazing. It's from God. Yet it takes obedience to do it. And that's one of the things that he was training them as before this group got into the promised land. You've got to obey what I say. You've got to do it the way I tell you to do it. Amen. All right. So it's, it's not the 30 yet. It's 2932. So since it's not, I'm starting another one. Hallelujah. So let's look, um, let's look at this one. Let's look at this one. Um, uh, let's skip over that one and go to 2 Kings 4. We'll just, we'll just do this one. Familiar to all of you probably, but 2 Kings chapter 4. Um, verse one. Now there's cried a certain woman of the wives of the son of the prophets. Uh, so he was, uh, he was a servant to Elisha saying, your servant, my husband is dead. And you know that your servant did fear the Lord and the creditor has come to take him, take him, uh, unto him, my two sons to be mama. So the, here's this mama. She got two sons older and the creditor is coming because they owed money. He's going to take her two sons and put them into slavery. And Elisha said unto her, what shall I do for you? Tell me what you have in your house. So you could say, this is a gift of the spirit, but I want you to see, um, what, what's going on here? Uh, 
what do you have in your house? She said, your handmaid have not anything in the house save a pot of oil. Then he said, go, borrow not a few vessels of your neighbors and empty vessels, borrow not a few. But so what, so this is God initiated, probably a gift of the spirit, but I want to see it's God initiated. And so as God initiates this, this woman if she was us in the New Testament, she would, could have gone on and said, my God shall supply all of my needs. Jesus became a curse for me and um, Jesus became poor that I, and she could still confess. But after she's told what to do, she, no other confession is going to bring another way to get her sons from being slaves. There's nothing else. Well, this is weird. So? I've never heard anybody else do this. Okay? But, this, and, this, and this is old covenant, remember. Now, you don't need a prophet to tell you what to do. As a matter of fact, I'd be skeptical about it if I were you. Um, you know? You don't need someone. You, you know the voice of God. Right? But here in the old covenant, she didn't, ha- she didn't have that. She couldn't have that. So a prophet spoke to her. He said, what do you got in your house? I got some oil. And so I don't know if the Lord prompted him, probably the Holy Ghost prompted him to ask her, what do you got in your house? And then from that direction came, but the direction was what? Go get some vessels, right? And then you got to understand, if you understand the story, then the rest of the miracle, the amount of the miracle is up to her and her sons. The rest of the miracle is up to her and her sons. And, and if I read this the way I like to read it, I think mama's irritated at the end because they didn't get enough. But what, what, what is the corresponding action? What is the obedience? Until they go borrow, until they go get all the vessels, there's no miracle coming. No matter how much God wants to do a miracle, no matter how much God wants to provide for your needs, if he told you what to do, Man, I keep coming to this. It's like a business. Start a business. The Lord told you to do something. Well, I'm just waiting on the economy. But if he's telling you to do it now, then he doesn't want you to wait on to the, a better economy. There's things you can do now. Now, if you get out ahead of God, he, he'll, he'll jerk you back. He'll say, wait, wait, wait on me. But you got to, God can't steer parked buses. If he's told you something to do, then you do it. Oh, Lord. Okay, but since we already went over, then it doesn't really happen, no matter how much we go over, right? And so even this property you're on, this, this building, thank God for it. Thank you, Lord, for everything you did. You did it. And yet when we were in the A-frame and we were busting, should have gone to three services, we, the board, we had searched places because we knew, you know, I really should have gone to three services, but I just couldn't bring myself to do seven, nine and 11 and, or a Saturday night service. And, you know, I probably hindered some things, but you know, anyway, that wasn't a direct command from the Lord. So I didn't do it. And so, uh, so, 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 but we're looking. And so we get, um, we just know we need a building. So if you believe for something, what do you do? If I need land, what should I go look for? Land or buildings? So everywhere, and I know I'm supposed to be in Madison. So where do I go? Well, I go in Madison where there's land because I really felt like we're supposed to build. So land and buildings. But we had this one pre-existing building that we thought could work. And uh, we, the board, got together and, you know, um, so we decided we're going to make an offer. So we make an offer and somebody the next day had no offers been made on it, swoops in and buys it out from underneath of us. 
Praise the Lord. Okay, so we keep looking. Find another piece of property in Madison. It'll work. It'll work. So we tell them we're going to make an offer. And lo and behold, the next day, somebody makes the full price offer and swoops it out from underneath of us. Third building, third land. Find another one. I'm going to be a little more secretive. Um, not telling anybody. But same a thing, same a thing. All right. And so now I'm frustrated. You've all heard the story. So we have Dr. Varallo in. And uh, we're in the A-frame. And it should hold 250 people probably um, Anyway, but there were 350 people in there. There were people up on the platform. As a matter of fact, when she got up to preach, they gave her seat away to someone. Um, And so this place is packed. She leans over to Pastor Ron and she's like, you all need a building. (laughs) And we're like, yeah, well, you don't duh the prophet. You know what I'm saying? You would never duh the prophet. And so, um, yeah, um, she goes, well, where is it? Like, I know you too. You should know. And Rhonda's like, Pastor Rhonda, and this is all going on. We don't know. Well, she says, well, that's just foolish. She said, I'm going to ask the Lord and he'll tell me. And Pastor Rhonda said, go for it. <laughs> and the next day she said, he won't tell me. That's frustrating. And Pastor Rhonda said, I know. But after that, the Lord told me, he said to me, he spoke to me. I think I was just telling some um, young minister that was t- training. I was t- telling this. Um, The Lord spoke to me very strongly. He said, there's an angel on your property. He's holding it for you until you're ready. Chill out. The only thing the Lord told Mary, Dr. Varallo, was you drive by it every night. So we retraced her steps. (laughs) And when we did, for the first time, because the Sonic was there, and I can't count how many Diet cherry root 44 cherry limeades I've gotten in my life. And it was always here. And it was always for sale. It just never seemed. So one day, we park at the Sonic. Us and the board get out. I walk onto the property. Don't think me strange, but I sense the presence of an angel. And I was like, Whew, here it is. And somebody tried to buy it out from under us, but not this time, because that's my angel. He's camped out, and you can't have it. So my faith was able to hold it and maintain it because I'd heard from God. And when I walked on it, I knew it. We all knew it. And we got it for a really good price. And, you know, this is after we sold it, the people we bought it from wanted to buy it back with, with, a, with a good size profit. And we said, no, thank you. This is our land. This is where we're going to build. I could tell you story after story, but not to make Pastor Mark and Pastor Rhonda look anything. It's just how faith works. I've told you other stories of where I don't look so hot. You know that, remember that, somebody, I'm not going to go through it again. That house, we, the first house that we watched build that we lost because we couldn't do what God said do because we felt it too far out. You know, just for a refresher, Pastor Ron and I, we watched this house we built. 
to the cabinets, to the colors on the wall, to the flooring, to the countertops. It was exactly what we would have built for ourselves if we could have built it. And I don't know why the contractor left the back door open, but we watched it week after week after. I mean, people probably thought it was our house. We were there all the time. And then right before I was going on a mission trip, the Lord told me to put in an offer. Told me exactly the amount of money. I believe it was 95000 They wanted one hundred and forty for it. And back in that day, 95000 was like saying $9.5 million to me. We didn't have it. Didn't think we could get it. So you all remember the story? And so when we get back from our mission, I'm serving God. I am on the foreign mission field preaching to future ministers. And my house that God promised me is now gone. What did the Lord, why did he let that happen? But before I left, he told me what to do. He told me to go to the bank. He told me to offer a certain amount of money and I couldn't do it because I didn't think, I don't know, just couldn't do it, couldn't do it. Then you remember the rest of the story. Sometimes the Lord will help you out. Remember then we found this ugly house with termites? You remember that one? It's ugly got termites there's termites as you walk in you're greeted with termites the porch is falling off but we can afford it we can afford it so we're at red lobster eating a cheesy biscuit getting ready to sign a contract and the woman's excited because she's about to get a commission off of an ugly house with termites who wouldn't be excited And I remember getting ready to sign it, and I threw down the pen. And I said, I don't want that house. It's ugly. It's got termites. She said, well, now she's swallowed her biscuit harder, you know, whatever. Well, what kind of house do you want? And I said, in Madison, there's this house. I told her. Some of you may have never heard this. I explained to her our house. And strange. I sold that house. Now I want to slap her. Mm. But the Lord is nice. He's merciful when you're learning things. He arranged it so I could learn a thing. Because he didn't want me to do that again. Because I got big things to do. Not just personally, but big, big things. He cares about that for every one of us. He's a teacher. He, he's not a kicker-outer. He's not a drown, stupid. That's not who he is. He's a teacher. He's a helper. He's merciful. He's kind. Aren't you glad? How much, can I ask you how much you sold that for? 95000 Long story short, whoever she is, I don't want to see her again. Got a new realtor. And Pastor Ron and I were looking. And so at the same time that house was being built, there was a house being built somewhere else. It wasn't exactly what we wanted. But I'll never forget this the longest day I live. Pastor Rhonda loves this story. We had this new realtor and us, we were walking through. So it was me, Pastor Rhonda, the realtor. I walked across the threshold and the Holy Ghost said, this is it. In other words, he was building another house for us exactly at the same time. We just hadn't seen it. It wasn't exactly, but it was pretty good. So 
I walked over the threshold. I turned to the realtor. I said, we'll take this one. And Pastor Rhonda said, could I please see it? I said, yes, but we'll take this one. So we looked and we liked it. It was good. Really good. We really liked it. It's a good place to start. The Lord is nice, kind, good. Was building at the same time. Um, so I walked out. I said, well, let's go sign the papers. Pastor Ron was like, shouldn't we pray over it a little bit? I said, no, let's sign the papers now. So the regular's like, let's be, let me, hey, I've already made one mistake. Lost a dream home. Holy Ghost says, take this one. Take it now. So I take it now. Amen. Put the paper out. An hour. We offer um, about 18000 less than the asking. Now, I know you can't do that anymore around here. You have to ask thirty, forty thousand over, whatever they're asking. But I, 18000 under the asking has been sitting. It's been sitting. It's been sitting. So he took it. One hour later. One hour. Somebody came to town. Full price offer. One hour later. Now, he wasn't thrilled at the closing. I do remember him throwing his pen down and getting up and walking out. But I prayed for him, and actually he built a house duplicate of it down the road, and they bought it. So he was okay. So the Lord got his point across to me, and the Lord is getting his point across to you. What are you waiting on? Well, I just believe it will all play out. I'm God's child. Well, you believe wrong. If the Lord's told you to do something, or if you know something, you have to do it. When you leave things up to chance, chance is what you'll get. Well, I just believe God's in control. You believe wrong. You have to correspond to what he says. Will he get you out of your trouble? He'll deliver you out of all of your trouble. So if you did that, you need to throw yourself over the mercy seat. I, how many, have you ever done that? I've done it regularly. Are you grateful for it? I am grateful for it. But, but the hour we live in, don't, if the Lord is telling you something to do, you know something to do, even if you don't understand it or you don't think it's the best, God is miraculous at making it up. And I just showed you his mercy to me. And then when we sold that house, we sold it for a huge profit, huge. And we were able to build the house we live in today. Huge, nice house. The Lord did amazing things. But, but again, I, story after story, I could tell you. Not that I've been perfect, but I'm telling you, this is so important, y'all. Yes, your words are important. But faith that does nothing is worth nothing. It's dead. Oh, man. You're here and you're still listening. I'm going to jump way ahead. Then I'm going to let you go. Your, your youth are fine. Pastor Rhonda's back there with the kids. She's fine. She's fine. Acts 14. Acts 14. Put this one up. I'm going to leave you to ponder on this one till, till the next time I minister to you. There sat a certain man at Lystra and put it in his feet. He's crippled. Being crippled from his mother's womb. He had never walked. Didn't know what it was like. The same heard Paul speak. So what's Paul doing? He's preaching the word. What's he preaching about? Well, he's probably preaching about Jesus and being a healer. Maybe he'd be preaching. Uh, who, who knows? Maybe Jesus became a curse for you. Who knows what he's preaching? 
The same heard Paul speak, who steadfastly beholding him and perceiving, Paul's perceiving that the dude had faith to be healed. Listen to me. Can you have faith and yet not get a miracle or not get your healing? Absolutely. The man is sitting there having heard something and then believed something. But he wasn't doing anything. Can't leave you there. Verse 10. Paul said with a loud voice, stand upright on your feet. Paul had a knowing Faith is perceivable. Well, how can you know if you're in faith or not? Well, you surely, you know when you're in faith and and you can even know when other people are in faith. It's a a spiritual thing. It's a knowable. If Paul had not said, stand upright on your feet, The man had faith to be healed, but if Paul wouldn't have said that by by just a perception, the man would have been carted away without his miracle, even though he had faith to be healed. Do you see how important that faith that does nothing is worth nothing? In other words, and I didn't say it, God said it. And in some instances, in rare instances, the word spoken is enough. God's a creator with words. God told Moses, speak to the rock, right? In your salvation, you speak, you, you confess with your mouth, and you're born again. Because I hear people all the time in our circle say, now you need to be careful about that because you're going to diminish uh, confession, and it's really important. I'm not diminishing confession. I'm just saying as you're confessing, as you're speaking the word, and the Holy Ghost tells you to do something, um, I got word after word, scripture after scripture, old uh, um, uh, the gospels of Jesus. I'm going to show you. Um, and here in the book of acts that something had to be done in order to meet the power of God. So faith that does nothing is worth nothing. And if this man who he had faith to be healed, listen to me, you all have faith. If you've gotten born again, you have faith. What I want you to do And I want you to ponder this. Lord, is there anything I'm believing for that you told me to do something and I've missed it, I've let it go, I didn't do it? Just as simple as that. I'm I'm not just going to touch Jesus, not just going to do something to see if God will do something. I'm not going to say to go into the river that delivered the Israelites when God didn't give me that word. I'm not, I'm not going to try to look at somebody else's testimony and say, well, they did it that way, so God, uh, I'm going to do it that way. No, you can hear from God. You can do this. But if he's saying nothing, though, just begin to do, I'm going to show you, you can, you can do the one with the issue of blood. She said in her heart, if I can but touch him. She initiated that. Now, if you do that out of faith, God will move. But, but I think a lot of times it's, the Lord is telling us to do things and we either don't have the confidence to step out and do it, or we're, we, we in our humanity, oh, I just, I just can't do that. And he'll, he'll work with you. He's merciful and kind. And if it's really something God wants you to do, he'll just keep repeating. That's right. You'll know it. 
You'll know. Well, I'll try it. Don't try it. Do it. We hope you're inspired by today's message. If you want to hear more from the Word of God, head over to cwol.org. Check us out on YouTube or any social platform under at Seawall Madison. We believe God is working within you, and we want you to know Him so you too can make Him known.